Hi, and welcome to Edge with Dr. Stephen Brown. This podcast series focuses on the story, the personal narrative of Australians who have pushed at the edge. They have been pioneers who are doing amazing things that are a little bit different to the everyday. Sometimes their stories are told and well celebrated, and sometimes these stories are reasonably well hidden. Dr. Stephen Brown is a highly regarded leader in the education sector, both in Australia and internationally. He is the Managing Director of the Brown Collective and has a strong interest in people and getting to know their stories. He has developed this podcast series to introduce you to some of Australia's finest citizens. Hi everyone, welcome to this latest episode of EDGE. Uh, sometimes in your life you get to meet uh, very special people and uh, it is my profound pleasure to be in a company of somebody I've greatly admired for a long time and someone who's been recognised formally um, being the 2021 Senior Australian of the Year. It's my pleasure to welcome to the latest episode of EDGE Dr. Miriam Rose Ungamar Bauman, AM. So Dr. Bauman um, was awarded in 1998 an Order of Australia and is variously described as, as an activist, artist, uh, devout Christian, importantly, on the edge of being the first Indigenous teacher in the Northern Territory in the Catholic system. She was awarded a, a doctorate from the Northern Territory University in 2002. In the shadows of uh, greatness, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, to everybody Dr. Miriam. Good morning, Dr. Miriam. Good morning, Stephen. You're just such a wonderful uh, person who has a, a great presence. And uh, just take us back to growing up and um, in Daly River. And um, what are the things that uh, formed you as a young person growing into... Um, adult what were those special experiences you can recall i grew up in an era where there was nothing there to influence me all my attention was given to my elders and my family and then being able to pass on what i had to know as who i am and uh, instill in me all those things my language group where i belonged and uh, my homeland my dreamings yeah, it was good, and um, we walked everywhere and um, told me of special places, sacred places, um, hunting and food gathering. We never had Coke. I never had Coke or <laughs> ice cream lollies and all that sort of thing. There was wild honey that uh, my family used to collect, and that was lovely. Yeah, and uh, I now, as a teacher, can use that. Uh, ability in passing on the knowledge that my elders have passed on to me. And uh, in that era, I spent a lot of time before I come to school, sit around the campfire and talk and have a meal and so on. But uh, now that, you know, school has started and kids are at school, me becoming a teacher is a benefit to me and others that have trained up the local people that are now teachers in our classrooms can also do similar things that I'm doing. And I am at the moment in this school at St. Francis Xavier at Noel, 
our community, Daly River, we, we do that here with our children and instilling them what they have to know and who they are and where they belong. And belonging is an important word. We, we bring kids back, we hold them spiritually and uh, let them know. And if uh, kids are wanting to go astray, we tell them, hey, we're here for you. We wanna walk with you. And if there's any issues, come and talk to us, you know? And I've started up an elders room in the school here. I bring elders in, they're in the classroom with the teachers and the assistant teachers and uh, making children feel that uh, they belong in the classroom. They're our kids, it's our community, it's our school. So, you know, it's uh, open to family to come in and be there and walk with our kids in the Western way of educating our kids to make them feel uh, comfortable and not fearful because we have teachers to come and go and then we're there for the teachers too that have left their comfort zones to come and live and work amongst us to make our uh, living lives better with their expertise and we help them with what we know um, for them to know, to understand who we are in our community. That sense of uh, walking with and uh, in, I think your biography talks about being an assistant to a teacher. Going yes, on, a mentor, yeah. Uh, having that mentor relationship and Listening to you speak recently, you spoke about uh, really something that grabbed me was you said something as you grow older, the job becomes much more <laughs> harder in terms of uh, you speaking not from a physical sense, but you were speaking from the obligation, the commitment uh, to tradition, commitment to an ongoing uh, growth and development of yeah. the next generation. Do you feel that? In the Western world, for yeah. me to be in the age I am, it's funny because I've got two birthdays, really. <laughs> Mum said I was born in the dry season in the bush and uh, telling the priest here, and then he just made it up and uh, gave me 51 as my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the registrar, you know, birthdays and marriages, they gave me 70. Uh, 47. And I said, wow, aren't I lucky? I've got two birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all in uh, July, you know, sort of thing, because that's when the dry season is. That mum said that I was born in, um, during the dry season up here. And um, look, in the Western way of talking about ages, you know, if I am 73, 74, that for you guys, it's, it's retirement age. And for us as Aboriginal people, when we reach that certain age, we don't stop. We continue to work as cultural advisors to our young people and others. And uh, you've got to earn that in, to be in that category. And uh, it was very stressful at first for our elders when, because it wasn't a, a woman's uh, way of doing this, but you know we're in modern Australia now, and uh, uh, digital era and all that, and 
and um, I kept explaining to our people to say, it's okay, you know, because the men started pulling away and, and saying, well, uh, the women are coming up now, stepping up and doing this thing. And for us to be working in classrooms, and sure, they used to say things like, it's a woman's job, you know, and we're flat out having a hard time trying to get fellas into the classrooms. We've got a few, <laughs> which is good. And we're saying to them, we're just your stepping stone, you know, and we would be there for you to be uh, mentored. Women in the past, what, 60,000 years? When, if we go back to history, I suppose, we were always there looking after everyone and making sure that they were fed and all that sort of thing. They were the warriors and hunters and went and got food and stuff to feed us sort of thing. And it's no different from then, you know. We just, uh, the lives are much more better now. We're here, uh, there's stability. Look, we were walking the country uh, and moving with the seasons, you know, uh, following where uh, hunting was better sort of thing because of the wet, because we've got two seasons, you have four, that sort of thing. But in between the two seasons we have up here in the Northern Territory, is uh, we've got many seasons. Dr. Rose, the four pillars, um, your life, um, you're a natural educator, you're a... Uh, Indigenous people talk through stories and hand generationally things on. And uh, your four pillars of art, education, culture and opportunity. Tell us a little bit about um, the opportunity part of those and the other three, the culture, the education and obviously the arts is uh, part of who you are. But uh, how does it play out in the, your views of education? When I was growing up and going to school, I was always told, get a good education. It's a key to the world kind of thing. And uh, you have to learn to walk in two worlds, my world and your world. And uh, that was really hard and uh, getting a job. <laughs> and when I looked around, I said, what job? You know, that sort of thing. Not realizing that, you know, if I became qualified, I can end up getting a job and working in our school here or anywhere for that matter. I've been able to capture that and uh, I've worked here and worked in interstate and in Darwin and everywhere with various uh, government and non-government organisations. And uh, yeah, and I've learned what is expected of me when I'm in your cities and towns, you know. And um, I said at my acceptance speech, it's your turn now. <laughs> You've got to learn about us and more. We've done the hard yards to learn about working in two wells and what is expected of me from the Western world. But look, with, when it comes to our kids here, we try and embed in them that if a lot of kids go away to boarding school uh, all over Australia, in various states and in the territory, away from here, and um, we've got to instill in them who they are so that they're able to face the challenges that's going to be thrown at them. And uh, that's an opportunity in themselves. And it's not everyone that's going to go away. So what I do is, why not bring the city here? So I've invited some of the colleges from down south to come and visit, you know, and um, colleges from Melbourne, Japan, South Australia, they come and sit with us on country 
go camping, take them out bush, go out hunting, um, food gathering, and all that sort of thing, and meet people, uh, visit, uh, go on a tour in the community, and meet the people that are in um, the various uh, jobs around here through the service providers in our community. And hopefully, you know, for some of those ones that come out and finish college, that there will be things for here. Unfortunately, we're in a remote place and that's one of the needs that if there are people out there listening, we need help in uh, trying to get things happening for our young people. You know, kids drop out of high school. Uh, when they reach 16, we haven't got in our system the Catholic system or, or any of the system where there is for people in remote places, school-based apprenticeships. You know, we've got about six or ten service providers here that run various uh, organisations. Why not have like, work experience and things like that? We've got a workshop, we're on the pub up the road and the shop here, we've got the clinic, the school, parks and garden, there's shies here, you know, all that sort of thing. And at least uh, get their confidence up by doing something here in the community before they go out into the wide world. Not just having kids come in when they finish. Sure, we've had kids um, complete matric, come back, and they're still dabbling in different things here. But um, it, the community should be better uh, set up in a way to cater for that thing that I was talking about earlier on. So this whole question of opportunity and engagement, and there's probably three things I want to uh, just get your wisdom about is um, we've been asking Indigenous people for too long or long enough to walk in our world. But what can we do in terms of embracing and uh, walking in um, your world for a lot of word terms? So how do, how do we demonstrate that? We're only 500 people as in population here in Nauil, in the community. We don't want everyone to come here and smother us, Steve. It's going to kill us. <laughs> but look, I did say in my acceptance speech that um, please come and sit on country with us, you know. I've been running tours through the foundation on um, the Dudley tours. You come across Dudley spirituality, deep listening, silent, still awareness. And um, I've got tours on that. And at the moment, because of the virus, we've put things on hold. We did have people come, families, schools, colleges and that, come and visit and sit on country with us. And uh, the young people in the colleges today from down south, I'm aiming, because I do go to schools down south and work as artists in residence and um, talk to them and uh, stay there for a week and work in all the classes. And uh, um, I'll put all, all of that on hold at the moment. <laughs> I haven't been injected, <laughs> no, the vaccination <laughs> yet. But <laughs> no matter which way you look at it, there's still things coming out of the woodwork in like, you know, like Queensland now. It's, uh, things have happened there today. But look, I want to know until the coast is clear, I can start doing that again uh, and having people come and visit us here. But look, you know, not everybody, I said, will go to the cities, but to go to school or visit or 
would go and watch a footy game in Melbourne or wherever AFL that is, but uh, why not bring the city to the kids and the people here? And then they have a better understanding instead of reading and um, talking about us somewhere not actually coming face to face with us. You know what I mean? Yeah, it comes back to what you were saying consistently, walk with us, walk with the students, walk with us um, and come together to to walk with us. Uh, Dadiri, uh, as I pronounce it, um, the, the essence of to know me, to breathe with me and to listen, to know and to listen deeply. Do you think we're listening deeply to each other? No, you've got a saying, well, when you rush off to work, stop and smell a rose. That's not enough. No. <laughs> 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 um, no. It's the spirit within you, your being, that you have to tap into. You've got a spring within you. Um, that's who you are. That's your being. Because you've been smothered with all the things that you do day to day, you know, with work and family and friends. And um, you've got to have the papers in yesterday, you know, through work and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you're just constant doing all of that and you're forgetting about who you are as a person and when I have the tours I ask questions like who are you where did you come from where are you going what are you doing and some people say to me you shouldn't ask that question that's personal and I said no I'm trying to wake the spirit the being of those people that person to make them understand you know they're an individual, and there's nobody in this whole wide world exactly the same as that person. So for you, Steve, you're the only person, and that's very sacred in, in knowing that. And um, there is a spirit bigger than us, and God who has done this in creating us. So we don't appreciate ourselves. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. So when I'm working with leaders, not as you eloquently put it, I said, well, essentially we've got one, one fingerprint, one footprint that's, you know, and we need to be proud of that, but equally we need to honour and understand that. And I think what spoke to me with your notion was this deep listening um, What's your spirit? What's this spring inside you? Very powerful. I've been sort of thinking about that for days. So thank you for the gift of that. It's very insightful. Thank you. You're an accomplished artist and uh, one of the things I love what you spoke about, this dichotomy between in our world or the Western world, uh, arguably some of us are good writers and, and Indigenous people and what you ask your students to do and children when they read a book is to illustrate it. You know, it's just so powerful. So when, when I was an educator, like running systems of schools, some Indigenous boys would be suspended and I'd ask the, the principal, where did they sort of play up? Oh, well, you know, when they were not given the, their art classes or their sport. I said, mm, mm. To where they, uh, I said, well, I'm not suspending them. The answer is in front of you and I left them with that. So sometimes we actually, this whole question of anybody, 
playing to our strengths and the sense of art and creativity central to Indigenous people, is it not? So I love what you said in terms of the work of art in education. Stephen, um, I'm sad that in some cases some of the colleges, wherever they are, whether they're in the Northern Territory or down south in various states, uh, as soon as the kid from the bush plays up, you know, several times, one, two, three, and then you're out kind of thing. Um, there's nothing in place to support those kids that get into that situation and then they are sent home. And I feel disappointed in that sense where our schools or, or whatever schools uh, that we send our kids to not set up to cater for these kids. And um, all they need is somebody to tell them that they're there with them, you know, as a, a mentor to work with them. And, and a lot of kids have done that and they've come home. And it's not just this community and other communities around the territory. But look, with the art, uh, whether it's, because uh, this is a Catholic school, they have religious education for a child to understand what uh, baptism is, uh, making their first communion or confirmation. We do a practical thing. We've got something in where we welcome people to our community with water. So I take them to the river. I make them swim across the river and they come back. No, there's crocodiles in here. But no, they, <laughs> <laughs> um, they stand ankle deep in water. We splash water on the crown of their head and that's wisdom and knowledge and on their navel. Um, abdomen area and say that's where you were connected to your mother before you come out into the world and that's where this uh, the spring within you that's where you feel all your feelings happy feelings and sad feelings that's where you were connected before you come out into the world and to wake up the spirit baby within you when we splash the water on you around that area, and the water falls off into the river and the current takes your presence through the land. And the river that daily runs out into the ocean at Anson Bay. And um, it's acknowledging our ancestors through the land to say that you're there and they accept your presence. And then it's also a safe passage through the land. You become part of the people and the land. And I, then I ask the children and say, why do we do that? How, how, what's that all mean? And when it comes to you being christened by a priest, and they say, I then become a child of God. Well, it's the same with when we do this welcoming ceremony. You, be, they become our visitors, become part of the land and our ancestors. So those sort of thing, and it's creative. And we do that through art as well. And uh, they paint the picture that we're talking to them about, about uh, communion and all that sort of thing. And uh, we've got to get the kids to own the story. And um, it's boring telling, talking to them. So they create it through art for them to own that story. So profound, uh, Dr. Miriam. So Australian of the Year, Senior Australian of the Year 2021, What's next? Uh, this just listening to you, there's so much energy and there's... So... I said I'm too young to have gotten the senior award, so why yes. not? 
take that opportunity and continue on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I like your sense of age because as I approach uh, my later years, I, I, I love your uh, Indigenous sense of age. Uh, I, I really acknowledge that. So what do you want to achieve next? Uh, what are you continuing to work on? Uh, or you've got a new project in mind, you think, oh, I'd like to do much more of this. Something. Well, it's people like you that have been grabbing hold of me every day, me going on Zoom. And I didn't realise that this becoming a senior of Australia sort of thing is as flat strap as it is now. I'm only just finding it out. <laughs> I'm doing more of that than anything else. You know, people forget that I've got a family. Uh, I've got part-time work here at the school. And then people want me to go here, there and everywhere. But look, I can juggle all those things and do my best as much as I can, and, uh, you know, I keep blaming the Australia Day Council and, and Scott Morris <laughs> and Michael Gunner here in the Territory for getting me into this situation. I've been nominated many, many times before just here in the Territory, and I never got a gong. And I said, no, when they said to me, hey, you've been nominated, come into that one. There's a ceremony on. And I said, no, thank you. I've had enough. I've been nominated so many times. I'm tired of running into Darwin or driving in and out of Darwin and back here. And uh, and then, no, come in, they said. Okay. So they twisted my arm and went in and bang. <laughs> here I am, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it was people like me asking you to do uh, um, these Zoom sessions. Um, look, I, I, I greatly appreciate um, what you've, uh, your time, but more importantly, like so many uh, people, I greatly admire you, uh, your work and your commitment to walk together with us uh, for all people in, in, in our country and um, the magnificent work you're doing um, personally getting me to continue to think about um, the things that matter with our deep listening, seeking to understand um, different points of view. And we share a common bond, um, that power of education. Education, my dear late father talked about, was your ticket to ride. And you mentioned it was your basis for growth and uh, development. You're a magnificent person, a magnificent Australian, and I am uh, so grateful and very humble to be in your presence and thanks for the opportunity for engaging with you uh, in this podcast episode of EDGE. So thank you, Dr. Miriam Rose Ongomar Bauman. I am. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for joining us today. You can follow Dr. Stephen Brown on LinkedIn and Twitter on at Dr. Stephen Brown One. Please join us next time for another episode of Edge.